0: It's time to Accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 564 of Accelerate, where the conversations are all about advanced selling concepts for sales leaders and leading sales professionals. Joining on the show today is Chris Smith. He's the CEO of Curator and author of the best-selling book, The Conversion Code. And in our conversation, we're going to talk about why close rates in sales are so low and the steps you can take to improve them. We're also going to talk about the growing importance of developing a strong personal brand for yourself, and why this will really become more essential as we look into the future. If you'd like to see the summary notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 564. As always, we provide a timestamp breakdown of this and all conversations on Accelerate there, so check that out. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go to accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate. And download my new report about what you can do to amp up and accelerate your sales right now. It's based on the input of over 300 leading sales experts that I've personally interviewed right here on the show. We've compiled their recommendations about what you can do to like well, I said, turn things around or maybe just some brand new ideas about how to accelerate your sales, close more sales. But anyway, put together a step-by-step guide you can follow based on their recommendations. It's free. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your copy right now. Also, want to give you a heads up on some changes. First, for those who want to follow me on Twitter, I've changed my Twitter handle. It was at Zero Time Selling. It's now at RealAndyPaul. Now, the change was people were searching me for me on Andy Paul and didn't really know about Zero Time Selling, which is the title of my first book. Excellent book if you haven't read it, by the way. So, easier to find me at real Andy Paul. There are lots of Andy Pauls out there, so it's always hard to put that, that prefix onto it. We're also coming up really quickly on a new milestone, a real milestone here is a million downloads. That's right, we're going to hit a million downloads this month. Really appreciate all of you who have invested your time to listen to the show, whether you do it on a regular basis or just from time to time. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate your support and look forward to 2 million downloads coming up before too long. Also, come the 2nd of October, we're going to be changing the weekly program schedule for Accelerate. Stay tuned here. We'll give you more details during the month of September about what we're going to be doing and why. And finally, before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that I want to hear your questions about sales and sales management, the challenges you're facing. So, if you send me a question at, to me at andy at each week I'll choose one question from those submitted the previous week to answer on my Friday conversation with Bridget Gleason. So, you not only get my input, you get Bridget's input. In the winner, the person who submitted the question we choose will win a free half-hour coaching call with me. That's a 250 value. So don't delay, do it today. Take a minute. Tell us what challenge you're really facing, how we could help you move forward in a particular deal or particular personal management system, uh, challenge you have, whatever. So again, send that to Andy at Andypaul.com. All right, here we go with today's show, Chris Smith. Welcome to Accelerate. Thanks for having me on, Andy. So I have a standard question. I ask all my guests uh, to lead off the interview and and the conversation that is so in your mind, what's what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today?
1: That's a great question. It's an interesting question. I think the biggest challenge facing sales reps today is distraction. The, the, everybody thinks their grass is greener. People are trying to type more than they talk. People are more worried about Snapchat than sales. So well, I would say the big the biggest distraction is that. They're they're not focused on the things that have always mattered and will always matter, which is meaningful conversations with humans. Meaningful conversations with humans. Okay, we're gonna
0: we'll get back to that. Um, but so how do you how do you fight the distraction?
1: Well, you look at your paychecks and you look at your bank statement and your savings account and the money you have set aside for retirement and for your children's college, and you ask yourself if you're doing good or not. And if you're spending more time on Google Plus and Instagram and Facebook than you are on the phone, there's a direct correlation. You know, I, I interviewed Gary Keller one time. He started mm-hmm. Keller Williams, mm-hmm. largest real estate company. Right. And he, he said, the people that are focused on their checking account are the ones who are living check to check. And that's what I think about with all these tools and all these apps and all these widgets and things. You hear big data, social selling. It's all hype, it's mostly hype. Like it makes what you do a little easier, but what you do in sales is hard. Anybody that thinks that getting on the phone all day and talking to people and selling them is easy has never done it. And so I just get a little bit nervous that people are so digitally distracted that they're missing the basics.
0: Well, I agree. I mean, I, I think that that what people are sort of doing is these days is sort of making excuses. I mean, I I wrote an article recently about you know, sales is not harder now than it used to be, but it's not easier either. It's just hard, right? But we seem to have people want to say, oh, it's so much harder today because of all the digital distractions and others that exist on both the part of the buyer and seller. It's like,
1: no, well, no, it's just hard. I mean, you just do yeah, it's hard always work. been hard, but I think it's easier than ever. You just happen to ask me what's a challenge, right? <laughs> I think that it's never been easier to sell than it is right now. I mean, you have all this information on your prospects that were, was never available. You have all these technologies and efficiencies that create more time to focus on what truly matters. So, I think you know, technology done right, it's never been a better time to be in sales, but it's also never been easier to to go down that slippery slope of chasing the next big thing. You know, the grass is not always greener, folks.
0: Well, exactly. So, you know,
1: one of the things I think
0: that that we see in sales is there's been this huge influx of technology, as you talked about. Um, it seems like people are sort of trying to use that as a, a, a way to sort of take the humans out of selling. And to the point you made earlier, I, I'm a huge believer, I think, that, that humans are becoming more important in selling, not, not less. I mean, especially as we become more technology into the space, you know, people think the great promise of AI will be able to supplant mm-hmm. salespeople, but I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not a big believer in that.
1: Me neither, my friend. I'll tell you what, what those things do is start conversations and warm people up, but they don't close them. I mean, and, and also part of this is what do you sell? You know, when I sell books, I don't have to get on the phone to sell a book. It's like 10 bucks, right? I mm-hmm. can send them to the cart. If you sell t-shirts, if you sell perfume, like I get it. You don't have to have an inside sales team like Lou Pearlman and Dan Gilbert and all the billionaires that I worked for that had thousands of salespeople under them. But if you sell something that costs a decent amount of money or you're in a competitive space, like when I was getting leads from the mortgage industry, Andy, they were coming from Lending Tree. Mm-hmm. And so the, the whole point of Lending Tree is that five banks got people's information at the same time and then they competed for your business. That's tough, but ultimately that's the job. Like you said, you're like at Quicken Loans, I would do 100 calls pull five credits, write two loans, and one would close. Every day. Th- th- every day. like, But no, some days were better. Some days were a little worse. But ultimately, that's where the dust settled. So know your numbers and know what it takes to achieve them. And typically, mobile apps aren't going to be what help you hit your quota. Meaning? Meaning like some kind of fancy app that tells you when the prospect opened their email in real time <laughs> is not the real work. It's just a nice to have. Yeah, it's a bit of intelligence. Yeah, we're a marketing company and a digital marketing company, and we specialize in Facebook advertising, landing pages, email follow-up. Like I get it. But what we're doing is we're using those digital activities to help our salespeople talk to more people. We're not trying to supplant the, the conversation. We're trying to supplement the conversation. Yeah, open the door to a conversation. That's it. And so I just think the people that are winning right now are, are what we call people work. They're treating people and technology as equally important. All right. So tell us a little bit about Curator and what you do. Well, at Curator, I'm fortunate. We were just named one of the top 500 fastest growing companies in the country by Inc. We actually work with about 900 small businesses. And we build their website. We build their landing pages. We come up with their content marketing strategy. We run their Facebook ads. We send their email marketing uh, follow-up emails. And it helps people literally double, triple, quadruple their business. And these are people that are already successful when we meet them. So you're doing this as a a turnkey
0: outsource for people.
1: Yeah, we our shirts say we do it for you. So that's exactly right. We build the site, we give you the tip like we have two packages where you have somebody full time or not doing your marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a platform and we have a person, but even if you get the platform, our team is doing 90% of the heavy lifting. We, we, we kind of, uh, you know, small business owners don't have a lot of time to waste and a lot of money to waste either. And so if you can copy and paste an ad that just got a thousand leads for somebody else that does what you do, that's going to be your, your preferred method. So we basically have built a network of business owners that can use each other's best ads and emails with one click. That's what we've built interesting so so take us through how it works for
0: somebody to and you know sort of a typical case study
1: yeah let's say you were a curator client Andy okay. and you were gonna uh, email this episode out to your list and okay. you came up with a, a really clever subject line and and you let's say you snuck kind of a nice emoji in there and the open rate was you know 52 percent uh, and <laughs> normally the open rates as you know might be 10 20 30 percent if you're good all right and so, if you sent that email and it did so much better than normal, all the other curator clients would see that and be able to swipe it.
0: Interesting. So, so what I'm going to say Take us so if you could just take a second, take us through the process of what it looks like for a client to engage with you. I'm so yeah, curious because that's I mean you you encompass a, a broad range of of activities there.
1: Yeah, basically, it's uh, we we call it Cab. We we teach a marketing ideology. And then we just think the tools are needed. We help people create amazing content. That's the C. We help people run effective ads. That's the A. And then we help people send effective blast emails. That's the B. And if you actually see a B, the the selling gets easier. So when our clients come on board, that's what we're helping them do create a great piece of content, advertise it effectively, email it to the right group of people with the right message. And so instead of us just being gurus and saying, here's the right email, here's the best ad, instead of us using our gut, our clients are able to use data-driven decisions. They can say, you know, my goal for this Facebook ad is to get a ton of clicks. And my budget is this. Show me all the ads curators ever run that have that keyword in that budget. And then you can see every ad we've ever done in our interface. It's pretty cool. Hmm. So really what what you have, it sounds like is really a community. I couldn't explain it better than just that word. It, the, what I really would love our homepage of our website to say is stop marketing alone. So why doesn't it? It will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, It will
1: as soon as I call my marketing manager. I was going to say, you're the, this, you're the yeah. CEO. Why doesn't it? I know, it? <laughs> I know.
0: No, I get it. All right, so, so, who's your ideal client profile?
1: We help the best get better. So we're looking for successful small business owners who don't have the time to 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 kind of dominate digital. If you'd rather focus on people than passwords, we're the right company for you. But we charge over a thousand a month. So we're not like a uh, it's not like you're buying a CRM like you said. it's a community it's people helping you. So anybody that's already successful but they know they're leaving money on the table. They know they're not doing Facebook ads right. They haven't followed up with their email list in years. Their website's embarrassing to the point where they shouldn't even be able to sleep at night, but they do. Like we <laughs> want people that are really successful offline already and then we put the gas on the fire. Okay. So what was the impetus to start the company? Great question. Basically, I happened to build a blog and a brand in the real estate industry called Tech Savvy Agent, and I was basically just sharing everything I knew uh, with real estate agents about Facebook, Twitter, Google, iPhone, Android apps. I was really just what you would call coming from contribution. Mm hmm. And my blog ended up becoming the most influential blog in our business. I won a couple of awards as the most influential person in real estate in my early 30s. And every time I would speak at a conference or do a webinar, there would be a huge line of people that would say, can I just hire you instead? Like, I love everything I learned, but I don't know how to do it. And I don't have anyone on my team that knows how either. This stuff is new, Andy. Like, I've hired 10 people that are all under 25, that all have marketing, PR, and advertising degrees from major universities, and they didn't know how to do what was in the conversion code. So we're just kind of in the wild west of social media, digital marketing, and so people would rather outsource than learn.
0: Well, and So you brought up the word conversion code. So you wrote a book called The Conversion Code. Mm-hmm. And tell people what what that is.
1: Well, I tried to look at this digital landscape and say, what has always mattered? So back at Lou Perlman's company, before there was really Facebook and YouTube and before anybody even did email marketing, like what has always mattered to a business? And, and I would argue that if you're going to grow your business, you need leads, you need appointments and you need sales. So I broke the book down into three sections Section one is all about how to capture leads through all of these modern platforms. Section two is about how to turn those leads into quality appointments through follow-up and and email and SMS and, and some of that kind of stuff. And then section three is what I used to have to do, which is what do you say once they say hello there was a lot of research around like how quickly you should call the leads and, mm-hmm. and maybe how many times you should call the leads. But I had never seen anyone say, here's the framework for the script. The scripts usually never leave the boiler room. And I wanted people to see that there's a science to sell selling. There's a, there's a science to convincing someone to say yes, just like there's a science to the, the code of a technology.
0: So, what, in your mind, is sort of the key for influence, right? I mean, so the science, and there's a book just came out uh, within the last year called The Science of Selling, a good book by a guy named David Hoffeld that dives into some of this, but I'm interested in your perspective on that.
1: Yeah, it's actually very simple. Your job in sales is to get people, if you picture like an XY graph or XY axis, like sure, your job is to get people more emotionally excited than the price during the time you have their attention. Okay. That's, that's it. Like there's nothing else. And then the, the way you structure the conversation is really all built towards getting them over that. And it involves building rapport, digging deep, pre-qualifying proactively under uncovering objections. It it requires pitching the right way and closing the right way and all those things too. But at, at the heart of it, if, if people just want to remember one thing from this podcast, your job is to get people more emotionally bought in than the price during the time they're in front of you or on the phone with you. That's it. Yeah, I like it.
0: I like it. Interesting. Um, yeah, at one point you say that the that, you know, business world is moving away from belly-to-belly interactions, but, but a lot of your customers said came out of the real estate Industry, I just presume a, a high fraction still mm-hmm. do. Is is I mean that's still a business that's dominated by person to person selling, though.
1: Absolutely, but the difference is that if you're not good on Zillow, you're not going to see them at, at the showing. If you're not good on Facebook, you're not going to meet them at Starbucks. If you don't have a great web presence, they're never going to come to your open house. So the belly to belly is still going to matter a lot, mm-hmm. but there will be less at bats. For the people that are great at belly to belly, if they don't take the internet more seriously, what's going to happen in our industry, and it already does, Andy, probably a lot of industries, 7% of the realtors are doing almost 93% of the deals. Sure. It's not, it's not what, remember, it used to be 80, 80 20. Sure. Well, to me, technology and the internet, what it does is it accelerates greatness, It actually magnifies greatness, but it also magnifies mediocrity. So if you sucked at real estate before the internet, now we all just know you suck. (laughs) But if you were great at it before the internet, now it's much easier to figure that out too. So the cream is rising to the top. The people that are the best are going to, it's sort of like separation Saturday in college football, you know, you, you know, we're already beating you and now we're going to get a bigger lead. It, it it really is the best are going to get better and better. And companies are going to be less and less OK with average and underperforming reps, which in the past, especially in real estate, you know, it's like everybody has a license, Andy. It's like mm-hmm. you go knock on three doors and one of them's an agent and they help their cousin and their brother, you know, every four years. And it really puts a bad reputation out there for the ones that are great. Just like any other sales, I love sales, and so do you. But if I go run a Facebook ad about a coaching tip in sales, I got people telling me to go hang myself and that I'm one of the worst human beings on the planet. really? So like we just need to understand how people perceive us. And so what I try to do is overcompensate for the fact that people think salespeople are shady. <laughs> I, I, I try to out earn their respect, you know, by by having, Beautiful websites and great marketing and a great product and great customer service. Sales is really just one piece of a of a bigger pie, right? Right.
0: Right. Well, one of those pieces and and I listened to an episode of, of your podcast you did on, on building a brand. And we've had a lot of guests on the show to talk about brand building mostly from a personal brand standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I sort of interested in your opinion. I mean, do you think that the the whole personal branding thing is overplayed at this point?
1: Well, it's out there a lot. I I think one thing people have to do is be self-aware. Like, should you like, just because you can be on camera, should you just because you can have a podcast, should you just because you could write a blog, should you like when we interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk, he's one of the pioneers of personal branding. Exactly. And we said, Gary, how do you stand out? If everybody has equal access, what happens? He said, talent matters. Like, so it's sort of like when you're growing up and you're a kid, you think you're going to be an astronaut or, or an athlete or an actor. And then you realize that, oh, that's really freaking hard. The, my success rate in those industries is 0.001%. I might want to go do some other stuff just in case. You know, and that's that to me is sort of like when I look at the branding and the personal branding, like I get it and, and 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 I understand but I've actually never been a, as big of a fan as building a personal brand as a real brand. Like when I built curator, when I built the conversion code, when I built calls like when when we launched these brands, I feel like there's way more value in a non-personal brand because it's transferable. No one's going to buy Chris Smith for a billion dollars. Does that make sense, Andy? Sure.
0: Well, and interesting. You also then talk about about. And to your point, I think here is that that too often you see companies that spend too much time focusing on the brand versus just getting in the market and playing, finding out where they are, who they are, who they can sell to, who the customers are, and then as you talk about, you're doing with the curator. Now you're spending more time focusing on building your brand.
1: Exactly. If you don't have a business, you don't have a brand. Like the the way we drew it out, we're doing a webinar on this, so it's really top of mind for me is that you have to build a great business and then that creates a brand and then you have to actually market the what you do, what you did to build your great business and that builds your brand more and then that brings you more business and that builds your brand more right mm-hmm. so it's it, 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 it's sort of like dominoes but yeah the first domino of building a great brand is actually running a great business
0: yeah Yeah, I I think people get so distracted by by this idea of sort of that they see, oftentimes through content, podcasts, blogs, and so on, is that Mm -hmm. that the brand is you lead with a brand, and yeah, I just can't stress enough: is you gotta you gotta get into the market and find out what it is you're selling. You don't really know that until you're engaging, trying to engage with customers.
1: Well, let's be honest, Andy. The people that most people look up to and admire online, they've got that part down, right? Like Ty Lopez ain't posting on Instagram for fun. He's trying to make money. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's very freaking specific with that. So it's like, yes, he's building a personal brand so that his business grows. And I think that has been sort of my mindset. And maybe the, the, the kind of Gary V mindset is that like, we love social, we love engagement. We love our community. We love helping, but if we're keeping it real, we mostly love it because it grows our business. Nothing wrong with that. I, I'm willing to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's okay to be service oriented if the goal at the end of the day
0: is still you're to make money. I mean, you're helping somebody else make money and be successful. So the, there's no yeah. problem with that.
1: Yeah. I remember I heard a guy named Jason Freed years sure. ago. He's from Basecamp. Right. Uh, he has a great book called Rework. They have a new podcast out. And he said, The sooner you start trying to make money online, the sooner you'll be good at it because nobody's good at something when they start. No, so, if you haven't even really been purposeful yet, if you've just been passive, you really have no idea what could happen. yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Something else that was
0: interesting I saw that that you'd written about not that long ago that that is a little digression here, but is is something that you' see reading more and more about in the sales space is use of text to engage mm-hmm. with customers.
1: Yeah, it's funny. The people get so emotional about this topic. Like, I'll talk to people, and and I'll be doing a big seminar, and you know, ninety percent of the room will totally understand that people check their text more than their email. It's not that complicated. But about ten percent of the people are like, I don't know if it's professional to send a text, or they think it's too I, intrusive. Right? There's something yeah. about
0: something more personal about a text versus an email
1: yeah, and and I would argue the opposite point, which is that you're you're actually doing the wrong thing if you bury the message that they wanted inside of an inbox full of crap. Mm-hmm. Like you know, so when when I reach out to a business and they immediately text me and say, "Hey, we got your info. we're we're researching your situation, and we're going to follow up quickly." How could that bother anyone? I get bothered by the opposite. You know forty seven percent of leads never get followed up with once. Do you know the average response time to an internet lead is over three hours? Like, so I would rather optimize for instant than worry too much about this other stuff. When you get a new lead with a phone number attached, there should be a text message that goes out again that starts a conversation. You're not going to get a lead and then go, hey, thanks for contacting Curator. Click here to complete your purchase. Right. That's not how it works. It's, hey, thanks for contacting Curator. How many homes did you guys sell last year? I'm just trying to get the conversation going. And so we don't mind automating text or automating email that asks simple, short questions. The reason for that, Andy, is there's so many more leads than deals. So if I get 100 leads a day and I want to really help my team focus on the 10 best leads... Well, they're going to be the ones that reply to those drip text. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody fills out a form, gives us their number, and we immediately text them and ask them a question and they ignore it, it's probably not as good of a lead as if they respond. So, well, well, yeah. you know, we're using it as almost just like a filtration system because there are thousands more leads than deals. Yeah, I think that that this whole perception uh, and there was just a
0: I saw a, a discussion that I just watched online on this one listserv that I participated in that, that yeah, people agonizing about this. You know, is it is it a step too far, right? Are we becoming too intrusive? And It's like
1: Yeah. You know what they tell me though, Andy? They'll come up to me and they'll be like, "Hey Chris, I, I got a Zillow lead while you were speaking and I tried it and it worked." Well, yeah, first of all, people I think appreciate the responsiveness. I think there's. I think people are still
0: adjusting to the idea that that's they're mm-hmm. going to transact, you know, some interaction like this via text. But once they start doing it, they're going to see well, heck, this is a lot easier than than doing it via email.
1: Yeah, I've been coaching salespeople for a long time, and what I've learned is that when they when when it works, they'll work it right. Mm-hmm. When it when when something works and it's inarguable that it does, we call it wet which is works every time. Um, Salespeople will do it, but they have to do it once and it has to work. So the first time I teach people how to do a trial close or a slot close or an ARP or an ARC, like I have a lot of acronyms in my book that are easy techniques to learn, but until someone does it and it works, they don't have the actual breakthrough. So what's an ARP? An ARP is when you get on the phone with a lead and they say, Oh, I don't want to talk yet. I just wanted to know da-da-da-da-da. Right? Like like every lead. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to refinance my house. I just want to know what the interest rates are. Mm-hmm. Every company deals with those brick wall statements. And an ARP is you acknowledge what they said, you respond to what they said, and then you pivot back to what you want to say. So in the in the mortgage example it's like oh you want to know what the interest rates are great question i'll look those up for you thankfully the, they're the lowest they've ever been in the history of interest rates are you looking to sell your house or just lower your payment so that's me acknowledging the statement mm-hmm. responding without responding and then pivoting back to what i want to talk about those little techniques are really everything um but yeah the 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 It is something like acknowledging is weird for people. Andy, they don't realize like when you're on the phone, like, you know, we can't see each other during this call. I mean, I'm moving my hands around. I'm nodding my head up and down. You're not seeing that. And so the acknowledge is sort of the same thing. Like if you're like, oh, I just want to know what the interest rates are. Well, if we're belly to belly, you'd see me absorbing that statement, but you don't. So the acknowledge is sort of taking into account that we're not belly to belly. So I'm going to say back what you said. Oh, you need to talk to your wife first? No problem. I do that too. Oh, you want to know if the home's still for sale but you're not ready to look at it? No problem. Oh, you want to know how much Curator cost. No problem. I'm going to let you know exactly how much we charge. It's just acknowledging and then responding but then being confident to pivot back to what you want to say.
0: Yeah, and I, and I would say in that instance, take the example of the one that wanted to know about what the interest rates are on loans is, you said you were sort of responding, but not responding, but you actually were responding. You are actually being quite responsive to their question, which is, yeah, we're going to give you the information you asked for. And that's fine. And it's it's funny how, I mean, not funny, but, you know, I was just reading something, an article, had been in Harvard Business Review, uh, not that long ago, saying that, actually criticizing this Mm -hmm. approach, saying that the problem with salespeople is they're too anxious to be responsive. To a customer and they send then the worry being they get sucked down a rabbit hole that that mm-hmm. isn't germane to what they want, and it's like no, as you're talking about it, simply ask the question, you're responsive. You've really earned the right
1: then to pivot back to what you were talking about exactly. That's how conversations happen exactly like when, when I don't i like I, i'm I love scripts because that's what I was raised on, but what I've learned over time is that a great sales script is really just a framework for a better way to have a conversation. It's not actually putting the words in the salesperson's mouth. It's not, when they say this, you say this. It's more of the steps and the order. That That's what I got the most feedback on was like, I was doing a lot of the stuff in your book sort of naturally, but I wasn't doing it on purpose and I definitely wasn't doing it in the right order. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, Just the, the order alone is really helpful where you know, you start with arping and then you gain control and then you dig deep and then you uncover the objections and then you start your pitch. Like there's there's the order is really critical too, uh, not just what's in the in there. Um, and I think a lot of people are afraid that they're going to be like a dial America rep, you know, reading off an actual script. And so they they're not willing to kind of have a piece of paper in front of them at Quicken Loans and at Lou Pearlman's company and all these billionaires they have an eight and a half by fourteen double-sided script, and you grab thirty or forty of them every morning when you start your day, and 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 it's one of those things where you can wing it after you've been great at this for three years, but you're not winging it until you're making ten grand a month every month. That's how they felt. And do you agree with that? Hundred percent.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I think one of the issues we're finding and I find and I see in business business sales is that is that people are too wedded to scripts. And to your point a little bit earlier is is I guess it's really is, you know, when when do you give people the freedom to say, mm-hmm. okay, I've got enough experience that mm-hmm. that I can demonstrate some initiative on the script in a way that, that plays to my style that makes me more effective.
1: Yeah, the way I try to explain that, Andy, is the NFL. So many people watch NFL and most coaches, like you, you go look at Bill Belichick. He knows what the first 20 plays are going to be, and he knows what the last two are going to be. But he gives Tom Brady a lot of freedom in between. And that's how sales should be. You want to be really scripted at the beginning and the end of your calls. But as you're building rapport and digging deep and doing your pitch, you actually don't want to be nearly as scripted. The best sales pitch you can do is the one that's catered and custom to the person you're speaking to. So I could never tell you, the order of that, right? Mm-hmm. The, w- w- when you dig deep, I have a thing called the digging deep technique. It's actually 100% questions based on the answers to the questions. And you don't know what those will be. So you don't know what the follow-up's going to be. So there are times where you're sort of freestyling. Mm-hmm. But it's just a little bit dangerous, especially with again with internet leads to freestyle the opening or the closing. So, you know, be creative in the middle. All right.
0: Well, great. Well, Chris, we're unfortunately out of time. Um, Tell people they can find out more about you.
1: Yeah, the best place is just to go to curator.com, C-U-R-A-Y-T-O-R.com or I just launched, uh, you mentioned it earlier, thank you for the plug, but I, I actually have a podcast myself called Calls with Chris. You can go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I basically record my conference calls while I run Curator and publish those as episodes. So Curator.com or iTunes calls with Chris. Got it. Well, again, Chris,
0: thanks again for joining us. Hey, friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Make sure you come back, join us again tomorrow for another great episode of Accelerate. Until then, if you get a chance, really appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, Go to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast and subscribe. Leave us a review. We want to hear what we can do to make this a better, more valuable experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.